Our scripture reading for today is taken from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and then verses 7 through 10. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his powerful angels, he will exercise vengeance in flaming fire on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Such people will receive a just penalty, eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from his glorious strength on that day when he comes to be glorified among his saints and to be marveled at among those who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. When I was a little boy, our house that we had when uh, we were living down in Iowa, uh, our house had an old coal-burning furnace. You don't see a lot of these around anymore. We actually had a room in the basement, and there was a window up in the, in the top of that room where about once a year some truck would come full of coal, and they would pull a chute out and dump coal down into that room. The whole room would be full of black coal. And you can tell how old I am. And uh, then somebody had to shovel the coal into the furnace. And there was a big metal door, I remember, on that furnace. And when I was about five years old, there was a little step stool off to the side. I used to pull that out and stand up and look into this little Pyrex window. It was about the size of a postcard. And when I was a little kid, I would stare in there and see all the hot, burning flames of the furnace. And I remember thinking, I wonder what it was like in the fiery furnace when when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had their lives spared by the angel. And then I would think, what must hell be like? What must it be like to be in hell? It's kind of hard for us to even imagine that. Sometimes the concept of hell is so disturbing that um, it makes us wonder if it's real. It makes us kind of question it sometimes. A Gallup polling company asks this question of people about every three, four years or so. And this is what they found. In the Midwest, about 65% of people believe in hell. And it's actually up from about 23 years ago, when only about 56% of people at that time believed in hell. So it's actually, hell has gotten more popular in the last so many years. Even among non-church-going people, this is interesting. Even among non-church-going people, 50% of them still believe in the existence of hell. There's, there's still some kind of sense of justice in human beings that, that causes us to feel like after this life is done, there are people who have done such evil things that there has to be some sort of reward for that. There has to be some sort of punishment for that. If you remember Jesus' parable of the rich man and Lazarus, which may possibly have been a true story, in that story of the rich man and Lazarus, each of them dies. The rich man in his unbelief is taken to hell. And uh, Lazarus uh, has faith in his heart, is, is taken to Abraham's side in heaven. If you, could have, if you could have seen those two men while they were in this life, before they died, you might have come up with some completely different uh, understandings or thoughts about where God was in all of this. 
The rich man's life was about as easy as you could get, living in luxury, all the food that he wanted, a fine place to live, fine clothing, probably time to enjoy a lot of things that he wanted to do in life. Everybody would assume looking at him, boy, is God smiling on this guy. And here's Lazarus begging for food, dogs licking the sores on his body in such poverty that, that he has to sit outside of people's houses just to seeing if they'll throw him some scraps. According to all of the outward way of looking at things, we would assume that this guy is, does not have God smiling down on him in the world. No outward sign of blessing, you might say. And yet, we know from Jesus' parable that the distinction inside of each of their hearts is what truly matters. This tiny little thing of faith that holds on to Jesus Christ as his Savior is what causes this poor man to be taken to heaven. And the rich man, lacking that, is taken to eternal destruction, where he even pleads for drops of water on his tongue. Sometimes in this life, those who believe in Christ and love him and are trying to follow his word and, and stay with his church and everything, sometimes it, it seems like God doesn't really care about us. We sometimes wonder if God even notices us at all because our lives don't always work out the way we maybe want. I think about Joseph, young Joseph, sitting in a jail cell in Egypt. His own brothers sold him into slavery, and here he is now sitting in a jail cell in a foreign country. I, I bet he had times to, to start wondering, where's God in all of this? Where is my God? John the Baptist sitting in his cell waiting to be beheaded. Where's my God in all of this? The, the, the widowed woman who has so little bit of money that she takes her last coin and puts it in the alms box outside of the temple in Jerusalem, walking through the crowd unnoticed, just living in abject poverty. I, if that was me, I would be so easy to think, where's my God in all of this? And then at the same time, the unbelieving world can sometimes live on in such splendor and everything seems to go well for them. And it's almost as if God is just sprinkling, sprinkling good things down into their life. People who could care less about God, people who live completely immoral lives. It's as if they're at a glitter party for fifth graders, just God's giving them all these wonderful things in their life and they could care less about the things of God. Anybody observing this would, would look at that situation and say, well, God certainly seems to be shining down on them. And yet we know from the perspective of his word how different this all is. So here sits the church of God, the believers in Christ who love him, who cherish him as their savior, patiently waiting for him to come back. And quite often their lives are just not so fantastic. We, we certainly have blessings, but quite often, and sometimes even because of our faith, we can have difficulties that we have to struggle with. Believing in Christ as our Savior right now doesn't seem to give us a whole lot of benefit. The world makes fun of us. The world mocks us. There are people trying to talk us out of our faith all the time. Our culture is just hitting us constantly, bombarding us with anti-Christian stuff, trying to get us away from Christ, making fun of us, laughing at us. And we have to put up with all of this for the sake of our relationship to our Savior. I always wonder with the rich man in that parable of Jesus, at what point 
At what point in the process after his death did he begin to realize that his laughter and mockery of everything about God was now changing so dramatically? At what, at what point did things start to turn to terror inside of him? The unbelievers, we're told in our text, will be punished with everlasting pain. And if you look at the context of these verses Paul is addressing to the Thessalonians, what he's saying is that partly their, their punishment from God will partly be due to how they treated you, to how they treated the church of Christ. That will be part of the vengeance God brings upon the unbelieving world. Imagine a mom watching her little child out on a playground who's getting beat up by some bullies. And right at the moment, she's not able to quite get out there to stop and protect everything. But once she finally gets to that scene, once she finally gets into that group of those that are abusing her child, she has a far more severe vengeance in her mind and heart toward those other nasty kids than her own child does. The heart of your God that has saved you by giving you faith in his Son, that wonderful, all-powerful God also has a sense of justice and retribution that will be dumped upon the unbelieving world that tries to crush you in your faith right now. God will bring his vengeance and fire upon that unbelief even at the same time that he is bringing his believers to the glories of heaven. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Jesus said to Saul when Saul was out persecuting the church, why are you persecuting me? God takes your abuse from the world personally, and he will bring retribution in his time. Martin Luther said it like this, let all the world know that God does not forget, even after death. So ask yourself right now, who is presently causing you to question your faith? Who or what in your life right now is is causing you to maybe think of letting go of Christ? Is it an intellectual, like a Richard Dawkins or Carl Sagan's words? How many, how many, Previous Christians have they led away by their intellectual gymnastics? Is it possibly the the filthy mouth of a comedian like Bill Maher, who loves to challenge Christians all the time and mock the existence of God? Or maybe it's some great cultural icon, some great actress or singer or entertainer, that likewise, because of what the Bible says about certain sexual things, is, is trying to make you as a Christian who wants to stay with Christ feel like, like you're just so out of touch with reality. Well, where will those people be on Judgment Day? Where will Carl Sagan be on Judgment Day? Where will Bill Maher be? Well, where will your favorite singer and your favorite actress be on Judgment Day? Okay, Carl Sagan's already dead. Bill Maher will be dead. Richard Dawkins will be dead. Your favorite singer will be dead. They're all going to be gone. They're all going to be feeling the fires of hell. So do you really want to stand with them right now in this world? Do you really want to let them influence you for that day? 
Your loving Savior who went to the cross to pay for every one of your sins and who has purchased heaven for you so you could live there forever by faith in him, he invites you to stand with him. Even though the world mocks you like crazy, he invites you to stand alone with him. Because when the final day comes, he will be the only one standing and the one then who will invite you into the mansions of heaven. He says, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever believes in me, believes in me, will never die. So stand not only with him now, but stand also with his saints in this life, because we can then stand with them around his throne forever in heaven. Amen. Please rise. And we pray. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Amen. may the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless and preserve you. Go in his peace. Amen.